Today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. Give us ears to hear your truth, and eyes to see the needs around us as we draw close to you. May we thirst for the water that your love brings us. Open our hearts, change us from within by the open word. Has it cost you anything to follow Jesus? I don't want to try and soft sell the hope of the gospel because truly if you are fully committed to Christ, it will cost you everything, everything. Because no longer is it your plans, it's God's plans working in you. No longer is it your family, no, you've given them to the Lord. No longer is it your finances, no, these are the Lord's finances, I'm just a steward of those. Following the Lord Jesus will cost you everything because that's what Jesus said it will do because you are to die in following him. You want to follow me? You take up your cross, you die daily, and you follow me. Has it cost you anything to follow Jesus? In today's message from the Gospel of Luke, Pastor David teaches us that if we are fully committed to Christ, it will cost us. The Lord knew that we would have to sacrifice to follow him. So he said things like, take up your cross and follow me. Jesus also said, quite plainly, that we should count the cost before we set out on our journey in the Lord. Pastor David challenges those that are not sacrificing for Christ to examine themselves to see if they are truly committed to the Lord. Now here's Pastor David with part two of today's message entitled, Involved or Committed. wasn't speaking to this man as one that didn't have compassion. Jesus continually demonstrated compassion. He continually demonstrated this care to to all of those that he ministered to. And, And here it would seem as though Jesus understood that this man was actually just making up excuses. Yeah, I'll follow you, but not today. I wonder how many people come to church week in and week out through the months and through the years. They hear the call of Christ in their life and they say, oh, yeah, you know, I'm going to do that one of these days. I'm going to commit my life to Christ one of these days, but right now I have this to take care of in my life. Right now I need to take care of this issue, and then I'll give my life to Christ. Then I'll go in full obedience to the Lord and what I know he's called for me. Excuses, excuses that cause delay and in most cases completely turn from the call of God in a life. How long does God call a life? How many times does his Holy Spirit come and draw an individual to him until finally, as the word says, you know, my spirit will not always strive with man. Until finally... That still small voice, that wooing of the Holy Spirit becomes so clouded over by the cares and the concern of the world that they no longer hear it. They're no longer drawn to it. And the message of the hope of the gospel no longer impacts their life because they've heard it over and over and over and never responded to it. And maybe you're here this morning and you've heard that message over and over and over and it no longer stirs you the way that it used to, but you've become very comfortable in hearing it. You've become very comfortable in leaning upon your excuses in not coming to Christ. 
One of the other things that we need to see here, there is an apparent call on this individual's life. We see it in a couple of ways. First and foremost, and most importantly, there was this call in this man's life from Jesus. Jesus did go to that man, said, come and follow me. Man, that is a direct call of Christ on this man's life. It's not like the other two says, hey, I will follow you. No, Jesus comes to this man and says, you, come and follow me. And secondly, I believe that there was a particular calling or gifting on this man's life. What was Jesus' response to him? Just let the dead bury their own dead, but you, you go and preach the kingdom of God. I wonder if he was calling this man, again, into the ministry of evangelism, the ministry of, of, of preaching the gospel. Was there a gift and calling that the Lord was ready to place on this man's life, but yet because of his own hesitation, because of his own excuses, he'll never fully receive all that God has for him. He'll never fully know the great pleasure of serving the Lord with a completely committed life. Both of these calls came directly from the Savior, and yet this man was hesitating. Both of these calls came directly from the Savior, and yet there was something more important in this man's mind and his heart that kept him from responding to the positive of this invitation of Christ. In the call, Jesus, again, he does away with all of our excuses. He says, let the dead bury their own dead. Now, that, that's, it's not that he's callous. It's not that he's hard and cold. I believe that what he's saying is, you know what? These earthly responsibilities, they're going to be taken care of. They, they can be dealt with by others, others who aren't perhaps even part of the kingdom of God. But you, you need to go and preach the kingdom of God. Is there some earthly excuse that Perhaps even this morning you're here and you, you try to, to use an earthly, a temporary excuse that keeps you from answering the fullness of God's call in your life, of being fully and wholly committed to him in every aspect of your life. Oh, I'd, I'd love to serve the Lord with a whole heart, but I've got this responsibility, this responsibility. Do you think that the Lord does not know those responsibilities? You think that he can't handle those? You're the only one that can. God can't, but you can. Are there things in this world that distract you from hearing and answering the call of Jesus in your life? Are those things so large and so important that only you can handle them and God can't? The third, the last individual, he comes to Jesus in kind of a similar fashion as the first one. Verse 61 says that he came to Jesus and says, Lord, I will follow you, but let me first go and bid them farewell who are at my house. You know, well, that, that makes sense. I, I want to follow you, but let me say goodbye to my mama. Let me say goodbye to my brothers, my sisters, my, my family, and then I'm going to come and follow you. That, that would just seem to make sense. But Jesus' response to him tells us that there's much more to this. Jesus responded and says, no one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Again, on the surface, it makes sense, but apparently much more is there in that request. Did Jesus understand that if this man went back to the family to bid them farewell, that there would either, again, be a delay to his commitment or there would be a full distraction that the family would say, no, we need you so desperately, so, man, you have to make that decision. You need to determine, are you going to follow me or not? Jesus' response to this man hints that there was this inward pull that the family would have on this man when it came to following Christ. He wouldn't be able to follow him with a whole heart. 
He wouldn't be able to follow him undistracted from the cares and the affairs of the world. Jesus says, no one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. An old previous pastor of ours years ago, and this is just sidebar, this is no extra charge, uh, he was preaching a revival in Nebraska, and he was preaching on this passage, and you know, Nebraska, a big farming area out there, and as he declared this passage, he, he says, and no one, having put his hand to the plow, is fit for the kingdom of God. You know, you left out the middle part there, uh, uh, and suddenly he was wondering why everybody was really frowning at him. No, no, it's having put your hand to the plow and looking back, he said, is fit for the kingdom of God. What would happen to a farmer if, if as he's plowing the field, he continues to, to be looking back as he's plowing? He's not driving a tractor. You understand that at this point in time, it's probably being uh, pulled by an oxen or some animal as he's plowing this field. And if he keeps looking back, well, he would have horrible looking rows. He would not be doing the right job. And even if you're looking back and say, oh, I need to correct that, and you're trying to correct ahead of you what was done in the past, it's not going to happen. The best and the only thing that you can do when you're plowing the field is keep your eye on the mark ahead of you in order that it might be able to be plowed correctly. You don't correct the row that you've messed up on by continually looking backwards. It'll continue being a mess. You correct and maintain a good row by looking forward, by looking forward. Paul understood that. Paul understood that as he wrote to the Philippians in chapter 3 of uh, uh, Philippians. He says, brothers, I don't count myself as to having apprehended it, but this one thing I do, I'm forgetting all of those things which are behind and reaching forth to those things which are before. I press toward the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Apparently, this man had more in mind than simply saying goodbye. Jesus knew that there would be this continual pull on this man's life, and it'd be next to impossible for him to fully commit. It's interesting. We see a very similar call uh, back in the Old Testament. In the book of 1 Kings, and in chapters 18 and 19, we read the story of the prophet Elijah and the, the new coming prophet Elisha. In Elijah's life, he had just had a great victory on Mount Carmel. You remember the story, the prophets of Baal, and they ended up uh, slaughtering 450 of the prophets of Baal. And there's a whole lot that goes into this that we won't take time to do. But after this, and after a little pity party that Elijah has, finally the Lord comes to Elijah and says, Hey, you know what? I want you to get up. I want you to go. I want you to anoint Elisha as the successor, as, as prophet for me. And so as Elijah came upon Elisha, Elisha was actually plowing a field. He was plowing one team of oxen, of, of 12 team of oxen that were plowing this field. Elisha had one team that he was working. So apparently a fairly large field, a fairly large farm that Elisha was a part of. And we don't know all of the connection there, but we do know that as Elijah walked by Elisha, he, Elijah took off his mantle, threw it on Elisha, 
Elisha and continued to walk on. And the word tells us that uh, Elisha then left the oxen and ran after Elijah. And he said, he, he seemed to understand what this meant, that he was going to, again, become the new prophet because he tells Elijah, he says, let me go and kiss my father and my mother and then I will follow you. Not too different than what this man is saying here to Jesus. Let me go bid farewell to my family. And Elijah's response to him was not too different than what Jesus' response is to this man. Uh, Elijah said, hey, you go back again, for what have I to do with you? So it's kind of like, is there something more important than God's call on your life? But there was more to Elisha's commitment than I believe what we see here in the New Testament. In essence, what Elijah was telling me, hey, if you're not ready to, to leave it all behind and follow wholeheartedly God's call in your life, then just forget it. Just go back to whatever you were doing. But the commitment of Elisha was actually immediately shown. He went back, not to the family, but he went back to that team of oxen, and the word tells us that he slew those two oxen, he broke up the plow, he started a fire, and he cooked the oxen, not only as a sacrifice to the Lord, but as just kind of a farewell, I'm done with it, I'm not plowing fields anymore, God has a call on my life. What have you given up in your life? What have you laid aside as you've come to Christ in your life? Elisha made such a strong commitment to the Lord, I will follow you. And as a matter of fact, I'm burning all of my bridges behind me. I'm not going back to farming anymore. I'm not going back to plowing the fields anymore. I'm going forward with the Lord. And that's the kind of commitment that Elisha demonstrated here. And not only does he demonstrate it there, but we see even further his commitment to what God has in his life. Turn with me, if you would, to the book of 2 Kings, as that story of Elijah and Elisha continue. In the book of 2 Kings, in chapter 2, you want to know what commitment to the Lord looks like? Look at Elisha. In 2 Kings chapter 2, beginning in verse 1, it says, And it came to pass when the Lord was about to take Elijah into heaven by a whirlwind, that Elijah went with Elisha from Gilgal. And then Elijah said to Elisha, Hey, why don't you stay here for a little bit? because the Lord has called me to go over to Bethel. But Elisha says, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. And so they both went down to Bethel. And so in other words, he says, you know what? Uh, no, I'm, I'm not leaving. I, I want to know what God has in store for me, and I'm going to be right by your side everywhere that you go. So they both went down to Bethel. Verse 3 tells us, now the sons of the prophet who were at Bethel came up to Elisha and said to him, Hey, do you know that the Lord is going to take away your master from over you today? And Elisha's response was, Yes, I know. Keep silent. He says, Don't distract me. Don't distract me. I need to stay focused on what God has planned and purposed in my life. And then Elijah said to him, Elisha, why don't you stay here, please? For the Lord has now sent me on to Jericho. But again, Elisha responds, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. And so they both came to Jericho. And then there, while they're at Jericho, the sons of the prophets come up again. They come to Elisha and they said, hey, do you know that the Lord will take away your master from over you today? And so he answered them, yes, I know. Keep silent. 
Quit trying to distract me from following and doing what I'm supposed to be doing. You see, the world will do that many times. Try to pull us, distract us from being obedient and faithful to the commitment of Christ in our life. He says, yes, I know that. Keep silent. Verse 6 says, then Elijah said to him, why don't you stay here, please? For the Lord has sent me on to the Jordan. But Elisha responded, he says, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So the two of them went on, and 50 men of the sons of the prophets went, and they stood facing them at a distance, while the two of them stood by the Jordan. Now Elijah took his mantle, he rolled it up, and he struck the water, and it was divided this way and that, so that the two of them crossed over on dry ground. And so it was, when they had crossed over, that Elijah said to Elisha, ask, what may I do for you before I'm taken away from you? I believe at this point in time, Elijah saw, this guy is a guy that's really committed, He's he's not distracted in any way. He wants to follow God's call in his life. And so Elisha asked of me, what is it that I can do for you at all? And so Elisha responded and says, please let a double portion of your spirit be upon me. And so Elijah said, he says, you've asked a hard thing. Nevertheless, if you see me when I'm taken from you, it will be so for you. But if not, it shall not be so. So in other words, you need to stay close, you need to stay focused on what God is doing in order to know and to receive all that God has in store for you. Verse 11 says, and then it happened as they continued on and talked, then suddenly a chariot of fire appeared with horses of fire, and it separated the two of them. And Elijah, Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven, and Elisha saw it, and he cried out, my father, my father, the chariot of Israel and its horsemen. And so he saw him no more, and he took hold of his own clothes and tore them in pieces. Verse 13, he also took up the mantle of Elijah that had fallen from him, and he went back and stood by the bank of the Jordan. And then he took the mantle, the, the cloak of Elijah, which had fallen from him, and he, struck, and he struck the water and said, Where is the Lord God of Elijah? And when he also had struck the water, it was divided this way and that, and Elisha crossed over. And then verse 15, Now when the sons of the prophets who were from Jericho saw this, they said, the spirit of Elijah rest upon Elisha. I share all that with you just to help you see, help you understand a little bit what commitment looks like. Elisha not only let go of those things that held him in this world, I mean, he literally sacrificed them to the Lord. He slew the two oxen, he burned up the plow, everything. But then he followed the Lord's leading in his life and not at a distance. He was very concerned that he would follow very closely the Lord's leading in his life. He followed close by with this desire to be found faithful and a desire to be equipped to be used by the Lord and for the Lord in the fullest extent possible. Does it cost you or has it cost you anything to follow Jesus? Has it cost you anything to follow Jesus? I don't want to try and soft sell the hope of the gospel because truly if you are fully committed to Christ, it will cost you everything, everything, because no longer is it your plans, it's God's plans working in you. No longer is it your family, no, you've given them to the Lord. 
No longer is it your finances. No, these are the Lord's finances. I'm just a steward of those. Following the Lord Jesus will cost you everything because that's what Jesus said it will do because you are to die in following him. You want to follow me? You take up your cross, you die daily, and you follow me. When I die daily, guess what? I don't need a whole lot of stuff, do I? If you follow Christ in a full commitment, I'm not saying you don't have stuff. I'm just saying that the stuff should not have you. You should not be controlled by these things. The things of this world need to become less and less of a pull in your life. And the things of this kingdom will begin to matter more and more in your life. Did you happen to notice those three examples in Luke? Luke didn't share with us the outcome of any of them. Maybe perhaps that, that, that scribe, he finally recognized that position and power were only temporary. We don't know. Maybe that young man whose father was yet to be buried, he finally realized that there was only so much that you can do in this natural, in this mortal world. Maybe he realized the truth of that saying that only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Maybe that final one, he realized that he had to let go of the hold that the family and that the world had on him if he was ever to fully understand what life in Christ was all about. We don't know the outcome of these three men, but the real question is, is what's the outcome of your own personal life? Where are you in your commitment to Christ? Have you fully committed to him, or are you simply involved in his kingdom? As a matter of fact, many that are part of the church are simply involved in the kingdom's work. You may be here this morning, you may or may not even have a testimony of how God and when God changed your life through faith in Christ. You're simply involved, you're not fully committed. You may or may not ever share your faith with anyone outside the four walls of this church. Are you just involved or are you fully committed? You may or may not ever take the time to truly enter into prayer and communication with God or to ever take the time to study the Word of God personally for your own good. You may or may not ever volunteer in service to the body of Christ. And you probably don't know what it is to live and to give sacrificially because you're simply involved in the kingdom of God. You're not fully committed. But praise God, I do know that some of you, many of you are fully committed. Fully committed to the Lord. You have a strong, you have an ongoing testimony of the saving work of grace in your life. You look for opportunities to easily share your faith with the world that's around you, both by words and by deeds. You're, you're quick to pray and you find continual strength and inspiration in your own personal study of the Word of God because you're fully committed to Him. You're fully and truly committed because you look for opportunities to serve the Lord through serving His church. And you live your lives in sacrifice. You give freely of your time, your talents, and your treasure. Why? Because you know they're not yours, they're the Lord's, and you just want to be found faithful in every area of your life. Are you fully committed to following Jesus? Or are you simply wanting to be involved in the kingdom? 
I know that's a pretty direct question this morning, but that's the question you need to answer. Because, beloved, I don't believe that Jesus calls anyone to simply be involved. He calls for commitment. He calls for surrender. He calls for sacrifice. He calls for death of self in order that Christ might live in us. Thanks for joining us for today's edition of The Open Word. David will continue teaching through the Gospel of Luke next time. Now we want to encourage you to become a Facebook friend with us. Log on to theopenword.com. You can also subscribe to The Open Word podcast at theopenword.com or search for The Open Word in the iTunes store. If you're like most people, you probably use a smartphone. Once you subscribe to The Open Word podcast, you'll always have solid Bible teaching available to you anywhere, anytime. So log on to theopenword.com and subscribe to The Open Word Podcast. Again, to become our Facebook friend and to access the archive of messages, log on to theopenword.com. Now here's Tracy with information about how you can help partner with us. We all know it's vitally important to support the local church, the place we call home. But it's also very important to support missionaries. Have you ever considered that The Open Word is a missionary work? It is. We need your support as we share God's Word over the airwaves. Please prayerfully consider financially supporting The Open Word. Go to theopenword.com and click on the support option in the main menu. We invite you to join us again for the next study as David shares insights with us from the Gospel of Luke. That's next time on The Open Word.